Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. Have you always dreamed about becoming a best-selling author? Well, I can make that dream come true for you if you're interested in writing a chapter for my next compilation book, Transforming Pain into Purpose, Triumphant Tales of Empowerment. If you're interested in learning more about writing and contributing to this compilation book, I'll put my contact info in the show notes. Please feel free to send me a DM on Facebook, or you can reach out to me through Instagram to learn more about this incredible opportunity to become an international best-selling author. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Brienne Hennessy. She is the founder and owner of Your Vocal Vitality, LLC, and a vocal empowerment guide. Welcome, Brienne. Thank you so much for being here with me this morning. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate you. Good morning, Brad. Thank you so much. This is a delight to be here. And how are you doing this morning? Very well, considering that I think we're about an hour time difference. So I'm usually, for those of you in the audience, you can relate to being later morning, later, later morning start folks. That's me. <laughs> so I'm actually feeling quite good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Thank you for taking and making the time to be here. And thank you for getting up that extra little bit early for me today to, <laughs> to make this interview happen. I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. These kind of conversations light me up. So I'm just really grateful that you are an advocate for such things. Excellent. Well, speaking of which, let's jump right in. So as mentioned, you are the founder and owner of Your Vocal Vitality, LLC. You're also a vocal empowerment guide. You are also a licensed speech voice pathologist. You are an executive speaking trainer and a best-selling author. That is a lot of hats you wear, and I see that they're very, very closely tied in together with one another. I would imagine they're pretty demanding roles. So how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization for you? Hmm. I'm really grateful to have discovered that we can create what we want to do. And so in that, prioritization becomes important in how I'm led to follow kind of the nudges and the intuitive knowings of where to put my focus. So for example, the book opportunity came up over the summer and it was a clear yes for me. And so mm-hmm. some of the things that I would normally be focused on, you know, in the back end or in other kind of business growth opportunities kind of took a back seat while focusing on the book and the, the tasks that went into that. So for me, it's interesting to always hear these if you will, you know, titles and roles all put together (laughs) because I really trust and go with what lights me up in the moment. And that tends to then create priority. Now, am I one who has copious sticky notes and organizational, you know, visual (laughs) reminders? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Those are very prevalent in my world. But that's definitely something that I do like to trust my intuition on. It is interesting to hear back, hear someone repeat back our titles. I'm doing air quotes here and Mm -hmm. and list off the things of our resume. It always makes me laugh when I hear someone say that back to me. And I think, holy shit, do I do all that stuff? I have all that. Like, really? 
Exactly. And, oh. and that can feel, and we want to feel good about that. You know, yeah. there needs to be that moment of like, wow, like that is something that we accomplished. And yet at the same time, I'm also one with the air quotes, Brad, like yeah. titles and roles. That was something in academia and my clinical experience. I just never got on that train. I yeah. didn't understand the importance or see why it had to be so weighted. And and don't get me wrong, I had amazing opportunities there. That That's why I'm able to do what I do now. And yet it's fascinating to see in our culture and society how much we put on that and what pressures we draw out of, you know, out of that. So, yeah, you're right. There is a lot of weight put on yeah. titles and I'm of the same mind of you as you. It's like, yeah, okay. They're titles and all right, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. What's, yeah, who's the person behind the title? That's what yeah, I Yeah, mean. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm curious, what inspired you to get into the world of becoming a licensed speech and, vo speech and voice pathologist? Like, how long did you work as a speech and voice pathologist? Mm, when I first heard of it, well, I, I ultimately did that work for 14 years, 13 or okay. 14 years, and was specific to medical clinics, healthcare clinics. And I distinguish that because in speech pathology, we have this opportunity to either go in more school-based speech pathologists or medical. And they've okay. really delineated that because people do have preferences. And, and I knew I wasn't going to be working in schools. In graduate school, we had to do different placements and, of course, learn from a variety of environments. And school-based was, I knew, not going to be mine. And I was really interested in the medical side. But preceding that, I actually was thinking I was going to first be a marine biologist wow. and then <laughs> determined after my first cell biology course that that wasn't going to happen. And in the meantime, I was actually taking a linguistics course and I loved it. It was an elective, but I switched my whole major to a bachelor's of science in linguistics. And during that, I took an acoustics class. For those of you who don't know acoustics, it's the study of sound. And we were doing a lab project and I was actually doing a research study on can we control vibrato? So vibrato is, is what we hear in some singers' voices. And in the lab, there was this little poster board and on it was this vocology institute. So vocology is a very new term uh, in the voice world and it's the, the study of the art and science of voice. And I was like, well, that's interesting because I'm doing this vibrato project and then I'm looking closer and they have these letters behind their name, CCCSLP. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and it was based in, in Colorado at the time. And it was this, th you know, three week intensive during the summers. And I was like, well, I, I want to do that. I can do voice all the time. Okay. And so it kind of <laughs> sparked this idea and immediately brought it. It was so interesting. I still see it in my mind every so often. I saw like myself in the wings. Now, not that I thought or knew or necessarily endeavored to work, say, with performers or just right. singers, but I, but I remember like seeing myself in the wings, supporting whatever was happening out there on stage, fill in the blank for the scenario. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. So I got laser focused and I was able to then get from graduate school in linguistics in British Columbia, Canada at the time mm -hmm. to getting into one of the top schools for voice, which is the University of Iowa. Okay. And then from there landed, I was one of the first uh, intern at Emory Voice Center in Atlanta, Georgia. And it just continued from there. I went to Vanderbilt Voice Center to do my clinical fellowship and spent six and a half years there. And most recently was at the UW-Madison 
Voice and Swallowing Clinic, which is one of the top in the country as well. And finished up my time there in September 2020 of all wow. time. Yeah. Jump ship. <laughs> <laughs> what a time to do it. <laughs> Indeed. So during that, that spark really led me to voice. So I specify that because again, speech pathology is this wonderfully broad profession and you can help with so many different kinds of communication disorders. And don't get me wrong. People would say, oh, so you help little kids with their R's. I'm like, no, not me. <laughs> <laughs> my colleagues will. Or, <laughs> yeah. uh, or, you know, you help folks after stroke. Well, sometimes if they also had a voice disorder, but I got very, very narrow into voice because something about it just really sparked. Now I had for fun been a singer in, you know, middle school and high school and done those sorts of things, but this felt deeper than performing than yeah. the singing voice, right? Which is what most people think of. And and here you and I are today using our precious asset of our speaking voice. And yes. that's what I really focus in on. So could you share with us exactly what a speech voice pathologist does? Indeed. So in, in that uh, realm of being very specialized, so this will encompass my world of, of speech and voice pathology, our focuses are really, if you want to think of it, you know, from the neck up. And so we do focus on the voice itself, so the larynx. We focus on the resonance, so the areas of the uh, nose, the soft palate. That's that space where your little uvula, that punching bag at the back uh -huh. of your throat hangs down. And we focus on things like uh, breathing disorders and swallowing disorders. So in this realm, we are assessing. So we'll go through with different instrumentation, objective tests, qualitative tests, and then we're also treating. So in the rehabilitative sense. So this is a really important distinction. The person, let's say, we'll, we'll keep going for now with this with the singing example. The person who is wanting to take singing lessons will find their voice teacher or vocal pedagogue or you know singing coach, and they'll go start taking lessons. Now that person may have gone to school to. Uh, teach singing, may have been a singer themselves and transitioned into teaching, yet that is the kind of preventative side or technical side that they are learning. If that singer is going along and starts experiencing pain, hoarseness, a change in their range, a difficulty with stamina or their breathing, that singing instructor, singing teacher would pause their time together and send them directly to a speech and voice pathologist. Okay. So then we tip over into the realm of rehabilitation. And so I make those distinctions because I do see a lot of crossover in a way that, to be honest, Brad, is one of the igniters for why I, I took my own path. There's a lot of crossover and, and gray area, let's say, for teachers of singing starting to get into rehabilitation without the proper background, uh, without okay. the proper understanding of the mechanism even, which seems wild. You know, they're working uh -huh. with points, but not every instructor actually understands the mechanisms. And thus, and we saw this interestingly too often in our, in our clinical patients that would come in from certain singing teachers, this especially happened when I was in Nashville at Vanderbilt, those students would get injured more often. Wow. Uh-huh. And so you have to ask yourself, okay, what's the disconnect here? This is a too high of a predictability for, well, this person's just predisposed to it. And it's a little more onto the, are there, you know, 
techniques and components that are being taught that are incorrect or unhealthy or unsafe. So that is something that, that I, I like folks to know that when you start having symptoms, if, and when that should ever happen, there are comprehensive options. And when you go to see a speech voice pathologist, you're also seeing an otolaryngologist, the physician. So it's a team effort, which is really important. That person is also specialized in voice. They're called a laryngologist. So these are the reasons that I, I like to distinguish what I did as a speech voice pathologist, but also then for me, how this traverses into what I do now, which is the preventative side. So imagine that singer having had the preventative knowledge of saying, oh, so when I get hoarse, I mean, I know this is, is not good for my singing because usually that, that freaks them out, to be honest, very yeah. often. And they only have built trust with that singing teacher. But if that singing teacher doesn't recognize that they need to send them on or work collaboratively with that medical team, that's a much longer or potentially more damaging road for that person. For sure. So that's one of the, the distinctions I make. So that's the life of a speech voice, voice pathologist is quite engaging and fun. We are fortunate enough, I will say, because of our niche to come across a lot of different types of of speakers, users of their voice in all different manners and, and singers. I've had the fort good fortune of meeting a lot of different singers and that's been wonderful. And that is very cool. Yeah. It's been very cool. Yeah. If, if for every reason you ever find yourself in Nashville and go visit the voice center, you will see the wall of photos of singers who have been <laughs> to yeah. that clinic. And, and it's not just country, mind you. I mean, you would yeah. think but there's, <laughs> there's all types. <laughs> I'm curious then, what facilitated your leaving that career and blazing your own trail? Mm, three things came to mind with that one. Access. Mm. So I am based in the United States at this moment, and healthcare access leaves a little bit to be desired. <laughs> and, uh, you know, dare I say, well, you'll see in the chapter in the book I wrote, business on purpose, the mm. sick care system, as I may or may not refer to it <laughs> at times. So I am currently based in... Wisconsin, I want to acknowledge the land of the Ho-Chunk tribe, um, the indigenous peoples. And mm -hmm. this is, you know, one of those things where even someone an hour or two hours away struggles to make it to Madison proper, as it were, the city and, and to come to the, the clinics. And that can be for a lot of different reasons. But what was interesting is, is once we would do, say, an assessment, we would look, we actually scope the throat and see what's going on with the vocal folds. Really imperative that that happens because we have to see the structure when things are, are awry for too long. And, you know, folks would be like, okay, yeah, I, I, I knew something was going on. All right, what are we going to do about it? You'd recommend the therapeutic treatment and the sessions and the, how often they'd have to come. And that would be a big barrier for folks. And this was pre-COVID, granted. So now, you know, doing the, the few months I spent in the clinic still when we had to switch over to virtual was a learning curve. I'm sure. <laughs> to be sure, because this is, this is an instrument I'm used to literally touching, palpating, you know, hearing you in the room, in the moment. And so... So that was a learning curve for everyone, but I admittedly, I mean, the, the patients showed up more frequently to their sessions, you know, even if they had their own technical, you know, learning curve as yeah. well. So access was a big part of, of the reason I thought, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to travel around the state and, you know, meet these people where they are and right. Then COVID happened and that was very quickly was not going to be the case. So, you know, we can talk about kind of how I pivoted a little bit too. The other reason 
is that I believe that there is a certain working style that everyone can kind of learn about themselves. And let's just say I'm probably not the best employee, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> Some people are, are more geared towards, you know, leading in their own way. And I was always one who was asking, why do we do this? Why about this? What about this? And often that would be met with, because we've always done it that way. Oh, uh, exactly. I was going to say, Brad, you strike me as someone who would be like, no, that's not yeah. a phrase that lives in my vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I just, you know, I had to kind of rub up against, you know, management and, and bosses and things more often than not. And it got really frustrating to see all these gifted speech pathologists. You know, we would even talk about like, wouldn't it be great if we were given, you know, the time to go out and do these preventative things? Once in a while, I'd be able to do a preventative health talk, and, and I still do those now, you know, and and I can tailor it to educators, teachers, you know, lawyers, customer service reps, all of that. But that was not, quote unquote, productive time. Right. And so I get it. A hospital is a business at the end of the day, and there needs to be an understanding that if you you nurture your people to their strengths even if those strengths are very different among the group, that is going to lead to the greater outcome for everyone. But it's not, you know, always heard. And so in theme with what I believe uh, for all people to be heard is their truest self. When you're not heard, that can lead to a lot of disgruntlement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of difficulty. And it came very apparent to me, Brad, when I'd be in the room with the patient and I would be so in the zone and lit up and it would just flow and everything was great. And then I'd open that door at the end of the session and be like, there's the heaviness. There's uh. the disgruntledment. There's the, can I really stay here and do what I love, do what I had literally set out 14 years before, even at that time being told, oh, you'll never just work in voice only. And I achieved <laughs> that. And yet what was happening here? I am at this, you know, the, I've been at these top clinics. I've been able to see thousands and thousands of different kinds of voice issues and this it's not enough anymore. And so yeah. that was really a, a big turning point. And then, I don't know, I would say there, I couldn't discount it because we don't know. I would say the degree of everybody adjusting to, to COVID precautions was intense and we weren't even on the front line. And I want to give kudos to those folks who had to do 50 million more things than we did. But the PPE, the rules changing every day as we were all trying to figure it out, you know, patients still being, let's say, not given as much of access again because we weren't sure what was safe, what wasn't, you know, yeah. so that took a toll too, you know, it just I'm sure. did. Yeah. I love how you refer to or call yourself a vocal empowerment guide as mm. opposed to using the term coach. What led to choosing that title for yourself and why not just use the word coach? Mm. I will say guide is one word that came through very intuitively. And so I trusted that because it felt so open and aligned. And there is a, a word kind of alignment practice that I do with folks because I want them to, to choose words that do feel really good to them, even if it's different than what they used to. So guide feels aligned to me. Coach is something that because, and this is probably going to sound paradoxical, because there was a time in my early speech and voice pathology career where I held judgment for voice coaches, uh -huh. plain and simple, because of what I referenced before. Yeah. Because of the folks coming in being injured, because of the myths and the misunderstandings and kind of the groundwork then we'd have to relay, which which that educating part again lit me up. But to see that person then 
depending on their level of understanding, either dig in their heels and go with what they had been taught and not willing to unlearn it, Uh or being then so fearful of using their own instrument that they didn't want to follow anything to any full fruition, if you will. Right. So the treatment or the you know exercises, yeah. whatever the case may be. So I often would see these voice coaches and think, oh my gosh, like they're doing this, they're doing this. So that was my, so I, I will say I named my shadow side. So Judgy McJudgerson is my judgy shadow <laughs> side. <laughs> so, I love it. So Judgy McJudgerson had a lot of years <laughs> of yeah. practice and you know, what then kind of stuck with me. And so back to this word idea. Things do get ingrained in our body, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously. And voice coach was just not something I wanted to be affiliated with. Yeah. And yet, oh my goodness, Brad, the the journey of learning entrepreneurial language Uh, (laughs) has been been a very good one and a a stretch for me. But of course, that's what I I come up against because understandably, people see that and that's kind of their first bank that they put that in. Oh, something with voices, maybe singing, you're a voice coach. Not exactly. So that's come kind of full circle in a really interesting way. So I like guide because then the the second layer to that is that I, and I will say judgment is released from that. It's very clear to me now being, especially again, back in in entrepreneurial land, seeing a lot of the ways the word coach is used. So that's really cool. I, I had no knowledge of all of these different amazing paths people create for themselves, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. when you're just in, if you will, corporate or in this case, healthcare, whatever, like in that tunnel. Wow. I am just like thrilled every time I see somebody's, you know, back to, uh, in a way, title to some yeah. degree. I'm like, oh, that's cool that you've created that. <laughs> and then with guide too, that became apparent to me. It's funny because the word came through and then about six months later, this was about a year and a half ago. Now I came across uh, something called human design. And human design is, I'm going to probably botch it because I'm still very new to kind of describing it, but it's a way of knowing yourself outside of any sort of rubric or test, or, you know, this is not the Enneagram or the, you know, disc or, or anything like that, or the Myers-Briggs. And it's a really beautiful way to get to know how you work. And in my human design, I'm what's called a projector, a two, four emotional projector. And my kind of highest calling is as a guide to others, to be able to see projectors tend to see and absorb what's around them and then can take that and guide someone to their highest way of being or guide someone through, you know, the, the stickiness, whatever that may be. And I just was so, I mean, that's, that's what intuition does. Hey, we don't always understand it in the time, but later it comes comes through. And I was just so delighted. I thought, well, yeah, I guess that is, that's what I'm doing, you know? So that I like the idea of guiding someone. It always struck me that, and it's gotten better, but in speech pathology, the old paradigm was similar to physicians actually. And that's still a little bit sticky in the physician world is the hierarchy of care. Mm, that is not how we need to operate in this world. And I was always very much meet the person where they are. And, you know, even if they said, oh my gosh, this is, you know, you've done all these things for me. And I said, no, you, you've done the work. This is not me dictating to you. This is not me leading the charge. And we know in behavior change kind of one-on-one, that's not ideal either, right? We don't want someone to feel that they are dependent, you know, or solely sourcing externally, Um, but that's got a long way to go in the healthcare system. And so it would, it's clear to me now why people would say you're in the medical set. Like, this is weird. So you're, you're medical, but you're, but I don't feel that way when I'm with you. So I think that's part of it because people, you know, want to be guided, supported, encouraged, led, 
but ultimately it's their choice, their power, their decision. So can you talk a little bit about your company then, your vocal vitality and what the differences are in terms of the work that you do? Tell us what it's all about when you started the company. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely pivoted in lovely ways. So when I first started, I really felt this is going to be a private practice speech and voice pathology endeavor. And I will, you know, get referrals and people who couldn't have access in the clinic for either insurance reasons, distance, whatever the case may be, I will be able to be that and provide voice therapy and, you know, on we go. Well, it became very shockingly clear, actually, that, and I've briefly talked about this a little bit before, you know, scarcity mindset is something that lives in our world, unfortunately, right now. And a hospital is not exempt from that. And so interestingly, there became a lot of rules that the hospital wanted to put on me for opening a private practice. And I believe ultimately at its core, that's out of scarcity, right? This big, you know, huge, well functioning and financed hospital is worried about a tiny private practice. Why is that? And we have the need. We have people who literally can't get in. So are we truly thinking of the patients at this point? Are we, you know? So it was really fascinating to see that. So with the rules that were placed on me, even though it was my own individual, you know, business, because I had to stay in compliance while I was still working there, I decided that wasn't going to cut it. And honestly, yeah. it wasn't going to cut it both from from what felt good to me, nor from bringing in clients. They weren't going to refer to me. So thus, how do I expand? You know. Yeah. So then, and this was maybe a month or two before quarantine, and and so then I thought, well, I do like the educating part. So why don't I? You know, I'm going to start creating maybe like a course or something like that. You know, and at least get some of that initial education out. And then it really kind of got the momentum going for the preventative side. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's right. Going out and doing those preventative talks is exactly what I loved doing. You know, it's exactly what felt really good. So that in and of itself is what shifted into the focus on kind of away from the rehabilitative side and more towards the preventative side. And honestly, Brad, I feel like that the more now, especially entrepreneurial folks that I meet who are health and wellness based, that's where we need to head, you know, and that's where... It, it is a huge mindset shift for folks to focus on preventative because we do take a lot for granted, including our voices and our bodies. However, just the capacity we have as humans to be able to alter our own well-being and health is incredible. It's incredible. And so that's what really, really lit me up. And I thought, well, great, I'm going to do this. And at the time it lined up with a well, with a business coach, as her program I was in, and she was having voice issues and she heard what I did <laughs> and she reached out. And she did amazingly. And, and, but it was just, it was just the time. It was like, like that when you make a decision and the universe is like, yes, here you go. (laughs) That's what happened. So then I ran with that. And so now I'm, I'm really grateful to have served entrepreneurs, coaches, executives for those moments that they go, you know, something isn't quite right with my voice and, and always keeping that very, I keep a high standard for when we say, okay, now you're going to go see that ENT. Now you're going to go see a speech and voice pathologist in your area. And I'm happy to help you with that because I know the voice world. Exactly. You know, I know where people are. So you're not waiting six ENTs later yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get to the right person. Not to mention too, that we as humans are more reactive mm. than proactive mm. when it comes to things like our health and things like that. It's like, okay, well now something's wrong. 
So yes. now it's time to go as opposed to doing preventative maintenance. Yes, exactly. And that's what I love about voice because I feel very strongly that it is a, it is a barometer. Yeah. So earlier I mentioned voice as our asset, but it's also a barometer. And to me, that means, Brad, that you can detect certain things much earlier if right. you're tuned into your voice, both how it's feeling, how you're sounding with it. And yes, even if we are doing screenings, we can hear certain things for maybe early onset, you know, fill in the blank. And so yeah. I think that's really powerful too, because people will say, Oh, my, my voice is really tired today. You know, I, I don't know why. Okay. Let's not ignore that. Let's yeah. take a step back. And those kind of moments really can shift the entire trajectory of what's going on with them. And I, I get that, that, yeah, that just, that takes a certain type of readiness that takes a certain type of being open to self-growth, being open to tuning in to something that, I don't know, just get up and talk. What do you mean? My voice needs something, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Brienne, you've said that it's your mission to optimize women's voices via holistic health and wellness to elevate their self-worth via their unique voices. Why is this mission so personally important to you? And did you also struggle with optimizing your own voice. And can you share a little bit about that? Mm, sure. In 2013, December 2013, I went through a very difficult separation and ultimately divorce. And just prior to that, I had had my daughter in 2011. And I'd also been experiencing this kind of sense of numbness. Like there just wasn't a lot of connection to anything, to myself, to others, anything that felt good. And that going on in the personal life, in the professional life, I had been transitioning from Vanderbilt Voice Clinic to the UW Voice Clinic. And it was one of those juxtapositions, I suppose, of where I was being sought after by, right. by UW Madison. And at the same time, my home life was falling apart. Mm -hmm. So I laugh about it now and like just a wow, like two of the most extreme things happening at once. And my colleagues and my my boss at the time, they didn't quite, and she even told me about my boss straight up pulled me in her office and said, you've never really had to deal with this with someone, meaning someone going through a divorce right. Like right as they started a new job. Okay. Thanks for telling me. I think, you know, like, <laughs> like, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> you know, I don't know exactly with that. So what was then interesting is during that time though, I had come across a book. It's called Notes from Over the Edge by Jim Palmer. He's an author uh, and former pastor actually in Nashville and incredible kind of rebel when it comes to seeing through the, the muck as it were and of the world. And I finished that book and I felt this, I don't use this word lightly because I find it does get overused in the, especially in the coaching industry. I felt this transformation because I realized my worthiness again. So for me, how that played out in my voice was interestingly, not so much the physical, because I was working with that in my day job, but more in my voice being heard, my voice being accessible to me, meaning my inner voice, my intuition. And even then, I didn't know quite yet about my intuition. That came a few years later in the journey, right. but I felt so much ease and a flood of emotion again. And for those of you who have ever dealt with anxiety, depression, the numbness is, I would wish that on no one. That is a terrible, dark feeling to not feel anything. 
<laughs> yeah. So that to have that crack open again and recognize what self-worth really meant was profound. And that took then its journey and ebbs and flows through the years as I kind of reoriented myself to, okay, now I am heard. What was interesting about that, even things like me not knowing how to convey myself, not being heard, had been met either with judgment. So what typically what we do, we reflect back to us. So me being judgy and then also having that reflected back to me or such a misunderstanding, people would often say, I don't, I don't like your tone of voice. And I would get so upset, right? I'd be like, what do you mean my tone? I don't know what that means. How dare you? Oh, all these things. And that could be personal and professional, let's just say. And so I yeah. was one of those who you combine that with the why person in me, like, let's just say my wrist got slapped a few more times, <laughs> depending on the day. And so I never understood. But after that moment, no one has chastised me for my tone of voice again. And I wholly wow. believe because I was then early in, in baby steps, speaking from that worthy place, uh -huh. speaking from a place of seeing more now that, that not everyone is meant for me and I'm not meant to understand everyone. And that's okay. Cause that's a lot of people pleasing junk that comes into the, to play with that stuff. It just became this very clear mission by the time I got to this point in 2019 of wanting to start my own business and mission that when we attach ourselves again, authentically and honestly and aligned to that that self-worth within that we all already possess. That's the thing. It's not gone. It didn't no. go anywhere. It's already there. We are truly growing from within. We are truly sourcing from within. And specific to women, and you and I chatted about this when we first met, yes, my lived experiences as a woman, so, so I'm bringing in some of that, but I also see it uh, in the folks I worked with in the clinic. Women, more often than men, would come in and just have issues going on with their voice, or they would be frustrated that, you know, I'm, I'm leading this, this meeting, but I don't understand. Nobody's hearing me. And, and my voice feels like I'm projecting it, but, but it hurts when I do. And all of these, these kind of symptomatic things that come from more stress, emotional based places. So I think that really fueled this idea that it, it is more prominent in women, as well as seeing the biases that exist in our society against women's voices. You're too shrill, too loud, too soft, too hot, whatever it is. Do we ever say that about men's voices? No, never. Of course not. No, not at all. They're assertive. They're taking charge. They're commanding yeah. the state. Yeah. They're not busy. Yeah. So it's very interesting that that's still so pervasive. And so even some women I've had contact me recently are, for all the things that have you know come to light, even over the past couple of years, are still questioning, can I lead this space? What does my voice sound like? I want to sound more powerful. And usually they go lower like this, but why do we do that? Because we've been conditioned to think that lower male voices yes. are what bring power. So when people hear their own voice, Brad, I can't even, I mean, it's this magical moment of both this light bulb of, they go, oh, that's me. And that <laughs> dissonance, then they go, but it's high, but it's squeaky. They'll use words like squeaky or yeah. high, when in actuality, it's as normal, typical range as we would expect. It's just, they aren't used to hearing it. So then tying that with how it makes them feel. And then back to even the word choice, Choosing from that place of worthiness, a word and a, and a meaningful mission that they have, it just makes such a difference. And their voice, I know I recognize fully that this is one of my gifts and not everybody, quote unquote, can hear this auditorily, but there is this sparkle, there is this ping, there is this just 
lightness that comes through when they are speaking from that place and in a way that's healthy for them. That's got to feel incredible for you when that person yeah. actually, <laughs> again, we'll use the air quotes, finds their voice. Yes. Like that, that is so huge for people. Yes, it really is so, so beautiful to see. And you know, what's funny too about now coming into entrepreneurial space, of course, that I learn things like branding, like branding I didn't get for a lot of you know, or finding your, like all these even more, I guess I would say from a business standpoint, metaphoric ways of speaking of it. And I, I knew, you know, people finding and using their voice to advocate, you know, um, or, you know, justice purposes. That was no problem. That made sense, but it's been fascinating to see, you know, the ways people utilize it here. So it feels good in a way because then I can continue to educate because people go, oh, well, I never thought of it in that particular way, you know? And when people are in session because they think they, you know, they already know their mission or they are advocates, you know, for what they care about, but then they feel it physically, it is palpable to them. That makes a big difference in, in just how they approach you know, what they're saying and when they're, when they're saying it. And it does feel good. It's, it's those light bulb moments you can't predict, but when they arrive, you're just very, very grateful. Absolutely. Now you mentioned that you call yourself a why person. What can you explain what you mean by that? Some of that goes stems from the interactions in healthcare that I referenced earlier, just (laughs) noticing certain systems. It turns out actually that as a projector in human design, I actually, I see things how they could work more efficiently, for example, which is funny because voice at its core, biologically speaking, when we're talking about optimizing it, it, it's designed to work efficiently. We just kind of muck it up sometimes, you know? So, you know, the body does want to work efficiently and, and remember that means, you know, work smarter, not harder, that kind of less in more out, that kind of thing. So, you know, I would ask about systems or, or procedures or things and how we could do some things better. And some things I, I was allowed to optimize and that that served the, the patients ultimately but also often when it came to policies or you know just really strict rules or back to that idea of like why can't each of us kind of focus in on our own thing why do we have to just all do you know research or just all do you know this aspect and I had a manager once just you could tell it was a I won't say a, a slip of the tongue it was one of those moments where because she didn't pull back from it, but she definitely kind of said it so like natural. She goes, oh, because you don't have autonomy here. <laughs> uh, and I, 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 I was like, I'm wow. sorry, did I just, okay. And that was early in my, my role in the job. And so I didn't yet have that alignment to be able to speak up in the moment. So that's evolved really beautifully too. But point is, I, the whys are just something that I, I like to, to ask. Why do we do certain things? What's been interesting though, Brad, now that you brought up this question though, is that for my inner practice and my self-growth and my, I call it my divine dialogue when I am communing and aligning to, to, I believe in source in universe and Uh divine God, I don't actually ask why as much Uh because that's where we have to have faith. That's where we have to have the allowing. Trust and allow. How? Yeah. So it's been interesting to see. I will still ask why about some external things, but then I just ask myself too, is that a wise choice of my energy? And is that a wise choice for my attention? Sometimes I get a yes and sometimes no. And so it's really been interesting now that you've asked that. Yeah, that that's evolved as well. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad I brought that up. It made you think a little bit. I love that. That's what I love to do. (laughs) What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? Mm. In addition to those beautiful light bulb moments of 
of folks hearing their voice in a new way. I love it when there are just these downloads and like inspired insights that they get from it and have their own recognition of what is possible, what they can let go of. That really, I get so giddy about that stuff when people just get it, you know, and not because of how I'm describing it, but get it in a way that meets them right where they are. And some of the things folks have said for how how they view this work, you know, keep in mind, we all come in with our own bias lens, how we do our work and what it's doing and all of that. And, you know, when folks just say something that seems out of left field, and they're like, well, we weren't directly talking about that, but cool. You know, like it's yeah. great because that's this, like this beautiful co-creation, which is the point that we are, are here to do. So I think, it, yeah, those kind of realizations light me up when people say, wow, I feel like I'm much more comfortable in how I'm speaking, or I notice that I like doing my exercises, you know, that actually feels good to me or, which I bring that one up because many people look at it and say, oh, is it one more thing I have to do? And if you're in a have to space, we're probably not a good match right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I was just talking with someone about this, this use of language and they were saying, I can't remember exactly what they were talking about, but they basically said that I get to do this versus I have to do this. That little, that tiny little switch in language shifts your whole mindset. It, it gives you a totally does. different look outlook on things. It absolutely does. And then get this, Brad, we can even take it the next step with mm-hmm. the voice. And if people are saying, for example, if they say, I have to do this, ooh, even in mind, I can, so one of my, my nose to myself is a tightness in my throat. So my throat just got tight or I get to do this. And that actually has, like, I can feel more openness through that space. Yeah. So everybody's a little different. So I help people kind of find their yeses and nos in that way, but but point is they, ooh, just the resonance and the actual amplification of energy on the getting, that takes both the mindset and then imprinting it, embodying it through the voice. And that's a really powerful way to speak it out because we all know those folks who say, oh, I get to do this. Do you believe them? You know, like yeah. is there something about the way that they're saying it? It where sounds you're like, forced. Okay, I, sure you do. You like that. I don't, yeah, it does sound forced. So that's, I'm not that's buying what you're selling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though they, and they may be oblivious in that moment. They may really think, you know, well, this is what I'm supposed to say. This is yeah. how, you know, if I say this enough. So that's where I'm a big fan of, even the affirmations that I put out on my social media, I'm always reminding people to make sure that it feels first aligned to them. And that when they speak it out, you're not just rote saying these things. You're not just saying them in mindless mode. Yes, you're mindful and you can tune it with your voice to be something that feels delicious and and just so potent in that way. So that's I what I like it. to have done with it. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the flip side of that, Brienne, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts about the work that you do? Mm. That's funny. Those who think they have to do it, (laughs) like who don't want to do it, you know? Yeah, definitely going to be honest with this one. It's, it's been fascinating to see people invest in themselves and not show up. Uh I will say that that's been, you know, in, in healthcare, it's one thing where, okay, yes, depending on insurance coverage and all these things, people, I get it. Finances are a real thing for all of us and people would have different levels of motivators. Yeah, for what would keep them coming. So in this world where where people are investing out of pocket and also making the time, the prioritization, the, the dedication to it, 
it's been really interesting to see when they do or don't show up. And I find that challenging because they made that choice. They felt ready, it seemed, and they are either making progress in in some fashion or have goals that are upcoming. Let's say a big event, you know, or I have a client who's getting ready to record her audiobook, those kind of things. And yet they pull back. So I find that really challenging because we go back to that idea of what is a guide's role? Not to pull, right? We're not, we're not, we're not pulling, pushing. There's not a force yeah. in this. It is yes to help them see where there might be stumbling blocks, where they need different kinds of support, perhaps. So we kind of stay curious about it, which I think is really important. But I find that to be one of the more challenging things that I've experienced even in this last year, which then has shown me that it's okay that that wasn't the timing for them. It's okay that that is not something that they're prioritizing right now. It has no bearing on me or who I am Mm. or the work that I'm doing. And that, ooh, talk about old, like remnants of people pleasing being That's huge. That's huge for you. Huge, huge. And now I do believe, you know, and then here we go back to like the, the mindset thing. Now I do believe myself when I say, okay, not everyone's meant for me and I'm not meant for everyone. There, that is a huge yeah. and such an important lesson in business. I mean, yeah. as an entrepreneur, that I think that's one of the first things we need to learn because it, it can be very damaging to our business, to our egos, to our self-worth, all of these things that yeah. if we're not, when we first jump in, if if we're fresh off the boat, so to speak, getting into mm-hmm. entrepreneurship and we don't have any background or knowledge around it and we see that we're not getting all the clients and I know I went through it when I first made the jump. It's like, Holy shit, what am I doing wrong? Like, but when you realize, wait a minute, not everyone is my client and not everyone's going to resonate with me and that's okay. That is a huge, huge thing. Huge realization. Very much so. And it's wild too, right? Because we love, we love what we do. We clearly think that everybody needs to know about it. And we're just like, what do you mean? You don't, yeah. <laughs> this is for your benefit. This is for your wellness. This is for your your ability to stand up and be visible. You know all of these yeah. things. So it's it's wild because then we it's as it shows us where our work continues to be internally, and being able to say okay, I can also improve and adjust things and holding boundaries in a new way. What can I ask of you to bring to the table? You know, yeah. and that's been a big. I've set my own new boundaries this year. That was a big level up. I would say Good for I've, you. Yeah, thank you. It's it's a long time coming and still one of those things that can be refined and reiterated. And I think that goes for folks who are ready to work. It's not going to scare anybody off for me to say, you have to be ready to prioritize this. You have to be willing to be open and curious and gentle with yourself in the process because it's a it's an up and down wild process. And I ask you to do some funny things sometimes. Let's be honest. It's voice yeah. exercises. Yeah. And then some, you know, between meditation, body work, breath work, we're doing all sorts of interesting things that people go, okay, this is not what I expected. Yeah. And you have to be open and communicate with me. I think that's so fascinating. Hey, when you're in relationship and co-creation with a mentor or a group, transparency and communication are so important. And yes how quickly that can just disappear. I've, I've seen it happen so many times. And then you go back to, is it, is it me? Am I, you're questioning yourself versus wait, 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 wait. Everybody's hard is hard. Everybody's got something going on. Yeah. Not everybody is at the same place with where they recognize 
A, a boundary needs to be set or in communication again, which some of this all gets back to in voice and wellness, when you can communicate in a way that honors you, sees the other person, you know, to the best of your ability and you're holding compassionate space for each other. Oh, I mean, that is wellness 101. Yeah. Because you're both looking out for yourself and the other. We're not in this in isolation. So when people isolate themselves from the work that meaning that, you know, they stop doing it or they kind of go MIA. I just know that they, you know, they have their inner work. Yeah. There's, there's other mm -hmm. stuff going on there. And, but it just, it's funny human nature. And, you know, you'd think one would think logically, if you're paying for a service where they've come to you and they're seeking your help with Mm -hmm. something that they would just automatically do the work. You came to me because you want help with something. And then you, you hired me and yes. I'm giving you all the tools, yes. but you're not doing the work. Why did you waste your time and your money and my time coming to me if you're not going to put in the work? That's right. And then isn't that a beautiful conversation to yeah. have? Because <laughs> truly, because they may not even recognize that they were getting in their own way. Yeah. I've gotten in my way so many times. Oh, we so, all have. Yeah. So that, I mean, I laugh at how many online courses are collecting digital dust right now, for example, but I may <laughs> or may not purchase. Digital dust, I love it. <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I can see it from that lens and I think it it is a great opportunity to see their next level of readiness. Are they ready to have that conversation? If so, beautiful. Are you the, meaning us, You are we the people to help guide them? Because let's be honest, mindset, I call it mind stretching. Mm-hmm. I wish this was taught in high school. My goodness, the way entrepreneurs think about mindset, if that was even an ounce in the healthcare system that I just came from, that would be, oh my goodness, <laughs> transformation. Oh my gosh, Brienne, that this, oh, this whole so mind stretching or mind and, and the school system, this is a oh whole other goodness. episode. Oh, I mean. episode. You're right. You're right. Well, I know you'll find just the right people to talk about that. Like, <laughs> well, that you is- and I could talk about this. Yes. I mean, it's just... It, <laughs> There are so many things wrong with the school system and yeah. things that could or should be taught as opposed yeah. to what's being taught exactly. that would help these kids coming out of the system exactly. in life. Yep. And, pe- and people will say to me, why didn't I learn this? You know, yeah. a voice 20 years ago. That's a great question. I don't know. You know, that it, it needs to be. I had a woman suggest to me a couple months ago. She's like, you know, for the teen tween age girls, this would be something to start talking to them about, you know, with their voices. And I was like, Okay, that's fascinating because people do see these gaps and they just go, what can we do about it? You know, so I will, entrepreneurs got a leg up on that. That's yeah, for sure. for sure. Now, with your business, are, is your clientele base mostly or predominantly women? Yes. Yeah. So okay. I, I love that question. I saw that and I was like, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to have Brad change that question. <laughs> <laughs> I do focus primarily and I have also had male clients. I have a, a client who identifies as male who's interested in working. Right. We, we might start soon. So I leave those open on a case by case because of course there are instances where just as much some men don't like the sound of their own voice. They don't like the way they show up, you know, with their voice. They do find that they're having symptoms of fatigue or scratchiness or their pitch is cracking. So bring it on. I'd love to at least chat and see if we're a good fit. And yeah. and so it's one of those things where, yes, I focus on women because I believe that is, you know, the, the ability for women to lead this world is where the world is headed. Yeah. And men are so much in a position of support with this. It's, it's, wild. Like again, back to healthcare, the times I would be dismissed, talked down to, or something crass was said from a male physician. I can't even 
count anymore. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done with how, you know, some men interact with women. So I think that's part of it too, where yes, the men who come to me are already in the space of honoring women and wow. I just think it's so cool when they're willing to look at their own health and well-being in this unique way, you know, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that's, again, going to serve in that cyclic action. They are more aligned to themselves. Therefore, they're going to honor and align with those around them better, yeah, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. It, well, let's also bring up the fact that a lot of doctors have a God complex to begin with. So yes, that only adds to the whole male thing as well, right? That's a, that is a paradigm that is really digging its heels in really, really, really. But it's, it's, it's leave. I mean, I do. I mean, what do you think, Brad? I do think it's shifting. I do. Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's, it's just shifting. maybe the, the slower boat of the ones that are shifting. Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, it is shifting. I have seen a shift myself, but I think it's not happening nearly as fast. And it's funny because yeah. I had this conversation with someone recently as well. And we were talking about this exact thing is the shift and it's, it needs to happen quicker. And she said to me, she said, but think about it this way. Maybe if it did happen quicker, things wouldn't basically it's happening at the pace it's happening because that's how it needs to happen. If things were rushed, maybe it wouldn't work out the way it's supposed to kind of thing. So we have to take what's happening for at its worth. I mean, this is the way things are supposed to unfold. It's supposed to unfold at this pace. So if we rush it, it's not a good thing. Absolutely. Isn't that so fascinating that we, I mean, I get that we're very, and I've had to do my own work on this speed. Why is everybody always about speed? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not a speed person necessarily. So that is its own both paradigm shift and mindset for, for each individual. But when we slow down, that's the really juiciest stuff, you know, in that moment. And I, I think does faster always get us where we need to be? I don't know. You know, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't, so I, I don't... Oh, that's it. Yeah. That'd be interesting part. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> definitely. So because you work with so many women as a vocal empowerment guide, what advice then do you have for women looking to grow their own business as entrepreneurs or within a company they work for? Hmm. I think this could apply to both scenarios, Uh knowing yourself, knowing that you are worthy and doing the self growth work in a way that allows you to meet each situation from your own power. And I will fully admit that if someone would have said that to me in my 20s, I would have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) However, (laughs) what I do know is that when you can be open to seeking that support and that guidance and the possibilities that exist, know that you don't have just one track. There's not one track. There's not one mode. There's not one version of you only. There are multifaceted components to this. So I think when you are either ready to take that leap to start your own business, being heard more in the company that you are in, trust yourself, honor that you are worthy and surround yourself with folks. And it may not even be in that business. Had I known that entrepreneurial folks existed, and I know that sounds naive because I'm sure, but you just, when you're so in a zone, you don't see beyond your own blinders. Yeah. So uh, surround yourself with people that seem unconventional to you, that seem, you know, that are doing things that you want to do. And I think in that way, it will be very fruitful and you'll start to see what, what that growth I talk about, what that self-growth potential and, and power is. I do think that there is something to be said, because I've said for a long time, both as one who went through like traditional 
psychotherapy, I do think everyone needs some sort of yeah. <laughs> therapeutic support. Now, I've also broadened my perspective that I don't necessarily think that a traditional clinical therapist is the fit for everyone. So this is your permission to go search for very well vetted and quality folks who meet you where you are with your growth and open up those those avenues for you. I love it. Brienne, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Mm. Shall we define success first? <laughs> sure, we can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say for me, success really means being able to be in my in my space, in my place with ease and relief. That's a big one for me. I want to have oh, just the sense of relief through my days. And, and I, I've tasted some of that and I, I've, I've achieved some of that to some degree and, and it's still a work in progress. So for me, I would say my skill set or superpower is, well, when it comes to voice, I just, I really just hear certain things in voices. Folks can send me little snippets or audios and I just hear certain aspects both of their health and well-being but also who they are. So I think that is a is a skill set that I've used well because then I can do a lot more listening, which I think yeah. is important and I also think in that truly guide, elevate and and kind of call forth the person that I already see you as even if you don't see them yet. Beautiful. Well, I think and listening is a skill set that is lost on many people. It's one of those things that you know, it's funny because, you know, it's a two-way street, talking and listening. When we communicate, we have to do both. But listening has is, is shown itself time and again to be such a, not only lost, but like we were talking about, like in the school system, hey, mm -hmm. like being able to know what is compassionate listening, what is mm, holding space listening, what is listening only to wait your turn to talk again? <laughs> that is the problem right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> so that really, I mean, that's a practice and we don't, we, we really don't get taught. And I, I am fortunate, I guess I will say I'm being mindful of this. <laughs> this is one of those things I didn't know I did. I did well, but apparently I do, you know, in session or in a, I facilitate well, apparently I hold space well, which is, I shouldn't even say apparently I know what they mean now. So I, yeah. I see that, which is awesome. Like, I'm like, well, that's, that's fun. I do that well. And, and I like that. And I like what people experience in that. And that could mean Brad that I don't really say anything, which is great too. You know, like, yeah, I may not yeah. even be saying anything. So I think it's really fascinating that these components are something that we can harness a lot earlier in our, in our life. Oh, and that your twenties, I'm 41 y'all, your twenties do not tell you all that you need to know. Okay. Just know no. that. Like just whatever you're you clueless. Expect in 20s, you're yeah. clueless. Just, <laughs> just keep expanding, keep staying curious. Don't box yourself in. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I guess along that line, uh, I really, I guess it, it's hard to say if it's just because of what I've shown or what I grew up with or who knows, but I really only thought that school, college, getting married, job, that's the life. Like you just mm -hmm. follow this path. And, you know, even, even when I was still at, like, it wasn't even a thought I'd, I never thought I would be a business business like that never even occurred to me. I thought I would think business and sales and think, ew. Okay. And let's talk about mindset. That's a whole nother mindset talk. So like, you know, that's, that's fascinating to me that I've even, even though I interacted, you know, we all interact with businesses every day to, to live our lives never occurred to me, but I do recall always being in awe of 
Like you come across someone, you'd be like, that's a job. Or even sometimes I'd look at, gosh, some, sometimes when the clinical work would just get so difficult or kind of the, the burden of management and all these things, I would look at a barista and think, wow, that is super cool that you just get to live your life and do that. You know, yeah. like, I didn't think there were options for me. There are always options for you. You have a choice every single day. So that was a big learn that the, the actually believing that there are choices and that when you follow that choice, from an aligned place and an abundant place, not a fearful place, yeah. that can make all the difference. So to now have an 11 year old daughter and be sure both excited, I would love for her to you know get married and find her person and have a family someday, yeah. but excited that I can say something like, don't tell my parents, that college <laughs> isn't necessarily <laughs> for everyone. I mean- <laughs> That's, a, that's another episode right there because yeah. I'm, I'm so, of the same mind. Yeah. I honestly believe that only if you're going through to be something that you absolutely need that degree, like a yeah. lawyer, a doctor, yeah. these things. Otherwise, I think it's a waste of money and a waste yeah. of time. Yeah. Isn't that so fascinating? Because here I went through two, I mean, undergrad and graduate school. And now I'm, you know, so it's just wild. It's okay to change your mind. It's yes. okay to have, it's both ands. You know, yeah. it's a both and it's a yes and, and, and beyond the multifaceted nature of, of who you truly are and recognizing that as early as you can in life, I would say, yeah, you have choices and that, oh, and I guess probably this is coming through because I brought up my daughter, like your emotions matter. Your big feelings matter. You are not too much. You are not a burden. You are a feeling being in a human body and having that capability to access that. And I guess that would, would connect with why, you know, really finding someone to guide you through that is going to make all the difference. 100%. Yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So Ooh, the next okay. grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Great. Let's do it. What is your favorite self-care practice? Floating, float therapy. Mm -hmm. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? To love yourself. What never fails to make you laugh? My daughter. <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? Judgy people. Judgy McJudgerson. <laughs> Judgy McJudgerson. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> At what time of day do you get your best work done? Oh, between like nine and 10 to about two. How would you describe yourself in one word? Encouraging. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now mm. back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> what is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? It's okay to ask questions. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? That I'm too touchy feely. That I shouldn't, you know, like that, that I should question that. Why am I so touchy feely? Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was from a director in a job I had at a voice clinic. And she's... She just, you're just very touchy feely. And, you know, and I'm like, mm hmm. Yeah, the, the patients seem to, to dig that though. <laughs> like, it's, one, <laughs> it's the one thing then that became even more of my like superpower that was, I didn't realize that's how I was necessarily being, but people just really resonated in the feedback I got throughout the, the years. That was not looked at as, as a strength all the time, but wow. I didn't care. <laughs> well, good for you for doing yeah. that. And because that, again, this is someone trying to quiet you and put you. Exactly. In a box. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Good for you for having the wherewithal. I Thank love it. <laughs> what is something surprising you've learned about yourself in the last year? 
Mm, well, oh, I love how things tie in. That I can set boundaries and my world won't fall apart. <laughs> in the last two years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Mm, strengthening my intuition. So, for example, I'm. It, it's actually it's happening now where I I actually take the time to tune in in the moment. So before it was a very understandably like separate practice. And then uh, I've been able to integrate it more and more into real time. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? I am a huge Brene Brown fan. <laughs> like she's on my like top 100. Like I have a, like a dream list 100 yeah. uh, to work with. That would be amazing. So Brene, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Also means Brad's podcast is doing amazingly. Yes, which, is which awesome. would be epic. <laughs> <laughs> we are speaking that out now. We are That's affirming right. that now. Yes. I love that for both of us. So yes. yes, I think because so similarly to, you know, when things show up in your life uh, and you hear them, her work, her, her very early work, I, I still have this work worksheet if she had this little lamp that she had when you were finding your values. And Brad, I had no idea what values were in my 20s. Like if somebody would say that word to me and I'd be like, mm, it's nebulous. It means something like you have some, you know, I had no idea. And so in that, I remember, okay, well, Brene like, is showing you how to like find values. And she had lists and I like that. I like to be able to see options. And so she had her lists of options and I was like, well, maybe... But over, even over that time, it was still kind of, kind of muddy. And then, you know, with her, even in the last, you know, four or five years, her different writings and books and things, I just really love the approach probably because I'm one who tends to see emotions and vulnerability as a strength and not a weakness. And also then I love the practicality, like what to do with it. That's where I tend to get stuck. I'm like, okay, it's all here, but then somebody can figure it out for me. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. But this has been a, a big thing too. I, I love being in my own time and, and my own space, but I tend to, with aligned collaborations, I tend to work better in, in collaboration. I need to think of the thing, but have someone else, you know, execute it. And so I love that Brene's work traverses both of those things because how are you going to have those hard conversations, build team if that's the case, be on a team in those corporate spaces. So I just think it'd be fun fun to talk with her. And she also laughs a lot like me, so I like that. There you <laughs> so go. I, I think we would laugh a lot. <laughs> love it. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? You are worthy. Powerful. I love that. Lastly, Brienne, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Mm, your voice is beautiful. Your voice has the capacity to alter the trajectory of your life and others' lives. You and your voice are worthy to the point that you speak and ripple effects happen all around you and you amplify not only your own mission, but the worthiness of those that you encounter. And so knowing this voice, trusting this voice, caring for the health and well-being of this voice is part of who you are and your essence. The more you can tap into that, the more that you feel your true way of being, the more that you feel you are heard, and the more that you are loved and acting as love. 
Beautifully said. Brienne, thank you so much for making and taking the time to be here with me today. It has been an absolutely beautiful and inspiring conversation. Your laughter is so infectious and <laughs> it's just been such a great conversation. It, I could talk to you for hours. We could put out so many episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we touched on so many different topics we that we could create indeed. episodes out of. So thank you that. so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and keep shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world and doing the amazing work you do to help and support women. I think it's incredible. Thank you so much, Brad. This was such an honor and I agree. I love it when it just clicks to where we could go and go. So thank you for providing that space and for all the ways that you advocate and support for women. That is truly a gift. So I appreciate thank you. That. Thank you. It has been my pleasure and my honor, and I'm honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you for being part of the community. Absolutely. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Brienne Hennessy. She is the founder and owner of Your Vocal Vitality, LLC, a vocal empowerment guide, a licensed speech voice pathologist, an executive speaking trainer, and a best-selling author. Thank you so much, Brianna. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You as well. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.